Well, hello and welcome to the Hard Yards Podcast. My name is Matty Guyatt and I'm a golf professional here in Australia. As much as I've been chasing that little white golf ball around for some 30 years, I've been chasing sport far longer than that and I love it. I've been very, very lucky through my travels with golf that I've met an amazing cast of sports and business elite. So I thought it was now time to share some of their knowledge gained and some of their tips and tricks they've employed to get them through the tough times and make it to the top of their chosen field. I hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you wherever you are along your journey and give you some new ideas to help you navigate along the way. There's so much to learn, so much to love, so let's get into it. Welcome everybody to episode three of the Hard Yards and this is the first of our episodes where I'm doing this remotely so I'm not sitting in the room with my guest who is all the way on well probably the very bottom part of Australia actually in Hobart uh, is Benny Dunk, uh, cricketing legend and uh, it's great to have you on board Ben, thanks for joining me. No problems. You use the uh, the term legend there quite loosely, so uh, <laughs> but it's good to be on and um, looking forward to it. Mate, you play golf, and that's where we met at Indrakelly Golf Club a few years ago, um, catching up when the well, I think the stars were in town, and six or seven of you came out for a hit, and uh, that's where we first met. So, any cricketer that plays golf is a legend in my books. Uh, you took, I'd almost rather play more uh, more golf than cricket, I think. So, hopefully, we'll be out there on the course again soon. You are an avid golfer, aren't you? You uh, you got a handicap, Ben? What's the uh, handicap at the yeah, moment? Yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's I think it's around 3.4 or something. Um, over summer is a bit of a nightmare. I don't play any comp rounds. Um, mm. So I, I, I struggle to work on it, if that makes sense. But over winter, I, I get out and, well, nor, in, under normal circumstances, get out and play a couple of times a week. Um, but the problem with that is um, the handicap comes down and then during summer, I only play sort of once every two weeks or once whenever I can, really. Yeah. Um, and can never play to the handicap, and the boys take me to the absolute cleaners um, <laughs> through that time. You, you've got it, and there's quite a few golfers out there who run a loose handicapping system as well. You know, <laughs> most of them, especially the New Zealanders, just seem to be. Oh, I'll just be off ten. I'll play off ten today, and um, lo and behold, they shoot four or five over and, and take your money. <laughs> you can't trust those Kiwis, mate. You just cannot no, trust absolutely them. Absolutely not. Whatsoever. And you, you, so you take your clubs with you when you, you, you travel to play cricket around the place? Every time, yeah. Um, around Australia, you obviously look at the schedule around Big Bash and, and see how many how many days you're in town for um, when the game is. But I, I'm, I, I don't mind sneaking out the morning of, of the game. Um, and then... Overseas is, is essential for me. So I just come back from Pakistan. Or I say I just come back, come back a month ago from Pakistan. Um, I took them there, took them to South Africa with me when I went over for their 2020 tournament. Um, golf has become sort of my little release away from cricket. Um, I'm obviously competitive, love outdoors. So um, golf has been my, my way to get away. I, um, I like not to talk any cricket whilst I'm uh, on the course and, and try and adhere to, you know, all mobile phones are, are, are off and just enjoy the walk as much as I can. That's awesome. So you mentioned there, Ben, um, that times, you know, are a little bit different at the moment uh, and you find yourself at home when most likely you'd be somewhere else in the world and you just said you came back from Pakistan, you know, obviously a few weeks back now when you could get back into Australia. What is, what is it like for you at the moment? What has COVID-19 
how has that changed the life of Ben Duncan and where we obviously find you in, in Hobart, but where does it, what does it look like for you going forwards and what's it like at the moment? Um, yeah, obviously, like, it's, it's pretty different for everybody. Um, going forward, it's really hard to plan. Um, mm. you know, what's coming up? You have no idea um, when our, our state borders will realistically open, let alone um, international borders. So for me, that impacts all sorts of tournaments. You know, there's obviously the IPL is a big one. Um, I wasn't going there this year. So in terms of cricket, this was always going to be a little bit of a break for me. Um, but then there's the England which is, you know, mid-July, um, they've got their competitions on. Then the That's Caribbean. the new 10 overs, 10, 10 overs? Uh, there's the 100 ball, ball over there, mm. plus their normal 2020, um, which is all on hold at the moment. Uh, the Caribbean normally have a tournament late August. Um, and then there's obviously the World Cup here in Australia, um, which I'm not going to be a part of, but just in terms of the cricket landscape, um, we, we just, yeah, it's just hard to plan. Um, mm. And in terms of... You know, it was quite a shock, really, how it all happened. Not, not really a shock, but um, I was probably a little bit naive. I was in Pakistan. Um, we'd made the semi-finals, preparing for the semi-finals, which were that afternoon, um, four o'clock game, and the final was due to be the next day. And um, you know, got called into a meeting. The semi-finals have been postponed, um, and you're all flying out tonight. Um, so wow. I flew out at midnight that night. Wow. Got back. To as he went straight into my two-week um, isolation, which I did down in Port Arthur. We just got a little place down in Port Arthur by the water so I could just sort of chill out down there. Not in one of the um, cells Not in one of the cells at Port no, Arthur? No, no, <laughs> fortunately not. Um, but, yeah, just – and then all of a sudden, you know, and like we spoke about earlier, you know, seeing Scott Morrison on TV every day giving updates, um, yeah, it all got real really quickly. Um, mm. Fortunately enough, you know, the news over the last couple of days seems reasonably positive here in Australia. So hopefully, um, you know, things can get back to normal. And I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of Australians and a lot of people around the world who are doing it more tough than me worrying about um Yeah, you know, for sure. Cricket is, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it is your source of income now and, and it is what you do for a living. Uh, so, you know, that's challenging in itself. Um you know, given that your, your your capacity to earn has, you know, literally been taken away at this point in time. So, you know, that's still an understanding um, from from everybody. You know, I look at people who are who are still working but um, in the reduced capacity down to two, three days a week and, you know, it's difficult. You know, financially it's it's a tough process for everybody. I had a student last night who, who uh, came in and his wife's in – She's stuck in the UK at the moment because her father actually unfortunately passed away with it. So it's very, very real, isn't it? And that's, um, like you said, there's always people doing it tougher and we just got to keep staying positive and keeping on doing what we're supposed to be doing and hopefully we can come out the other side. Um, you know, I think there's so many positives in the process at the same time. So Yeah, 100%. And, and I guess that's, that's always been sort of one of the challenges. Um, you know, around being a professional athlete, I guess, in all sports is that you, you realistically, um, you know, you're unsure about your income earning in the future, you know, from contract to contract. Um, for me, um, you know, for AFL players, it's contract to contract, season to season. For golfers, it, it potentially, you know, mm. can be tournament to tournament, um, you know, trying to make cuts and all the rest of it. So, you know, that's certainly a, a challenge. And I can remember back, um, you know, when I first got my rookie contract for Queensland, um, you know, it was $10,000, um, which <laughs> I thought just was the absolute bomb that they were going to pay me $10,000 to do something that I that I loved. But um, I realised really quickly 
um, that the game that I grew up loving, um, it was a real challenge all of a sudden because that was also how I was paying my bills um, mm. you know, as, as the contracts grew. So that was something I had to um, get used to very, very quickly um, and the pressure and the expectation and the, oh my goodness, um, you know, my, my house and my car and payments, uh, you know, relying on this relying on on how many runs i can score um over this season so yeah, wow. um, yeah that's a, a pressure um that i struggled with originally um you know like yeah. i said i grew up playing cricket and all sports like so many australian kids loving the actual um game and i think it's a real challenge or certainly was for me when that flicks into um a job and you you know you're, you're certainly your livelihood your income your um your lifestyle everything depends on 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 that yeah so how did you oh let's actually we'll come back to that then um yeah no go for you, it you touched on you touched on your you know younger years and, and growing up and playing all sports you were born up north uh in this vale, i think is that correct yeah yeah God's and, country up top of the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well i was born in townsville so yeah um, right there you go not we're not too, God's country then no no <laughs> not quite but we're, we're up in that same neck of the woods but uh yeah, and then you moved down to Brisbane, you know, uh, in the high school years. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So moved down. Originally went to um, Mitchelton State High. They had a cricket excellence program running there. So right. I did sort of um, eighteen months there, um, and then went on to boarding school in in um, at Brisbane Grammar. Um, okay. Which which you know I was always a tennis um, tennis and cricket um, player or person, I guess you'd say. Mum would never allow me to play rugby league, which I was desperate to because all my friends in North Queensland played. But um, um, as soon as I got to boarding school, um, you know, cricket was the summer. I had to choose a winter sport. Um, I'd play a little bit of soccer when I was a kid, but um, jumped straight into rugby union. So I played a bit of rugby union in the last couple of years at boarding school. Um, Where mum couldn't say no? Yeah, mum had no choice, really. I'd already. I'd signed up to it. Um, the first thing she knew about it was when I was buying a new pair of boots. I needed some money, extra money in my uh, weekly allowance to buy some new boots um, that weren't soccer ones. So um, by that stage, I think she'd given up, given up the fight. But um, yeah, played that. Um, loved, loved rugby. Played a little bit of AFL as well in my last yep. couple of years at school. Um, and then cricket, really. You know, by the time I was in year twelve, I I was playing. Um, I remember I was playing AFL. Uh, rugby and cricket and my last year of school I got picked in the Queensland under 19s um for cricket for cricket sorry yep. yeah went away to the national carnival and at this stage um you know obviously dreamt of playing um cricket for Australia but also probably more realistically just wanted to play any sport for a living I, I just loved sport um yeah right. I was happy to try and um play rugby or AFL or whatever it might have been um but went away for cricket and, um, yeah, played this national carnival, did really, really well, made the Australian under-19 squad at that stage. Um, so cricket eventually sort of chose me. The, everything ramped up, I remember. Yeah. Um, some of the sacrifices, my first ever real sacrifice I made, and I, I'm still bitter about it now, is uh, my under-19 um, camp week for Queensland. They clashed it with schoolies week. Um, in my year 12. So I'm pretty confident it was a, a tactical manoeuvre from them to see, you know, how much, um, you know, guys were willing to commit to it um, or put on to sacrifice for it. But, um, yeah, so I think out of my schoolies week, which I'd saved um, and mowed lawns and done all sorts of things to 
to make sure it was well funded. I ended up going for two or three days, I think, or two or three, yeah, three days, two nights on the Gold Coast. So, um, yeah, I'm still bitter about it now. <laughs> well, if that's the uh, if that's the only worry you've got by the end of the, the life of Ben Dunk, I think you're okay. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. It's a small one. I guess looking back now, you know, it, it's... You can uh, laugh small. about it. Yeah, I have a bit of a laugh about it. Mm-hmm. I still have mates who, you know, that I was in a boarding school with that we shared accommodation with. They had a dream because, you know, obviously the um, the accommodation had one less person in it for, for most of the week. <laughs> That's um, right. Now, you, you touched on there, Ben, um, you know, it was kind of your, your dream to place professional sport as a career and, and ended up being cricket. Uh, when you were in your high school days and, and it looked like cricket was starting to be the sport, was, you know, were you playing at that stage? Were there any other names that we, you know, our listeners would know of that were playing cricket in Brisbane at the time that you were competing against? And, and was, it the, was it the baggy green that was the, the dream at that age? Yeah, it certainly was. You know, you know the baggy green at that stage. I remember that last year of boarding school was also the two thousand and five Ashes over in England, um, mm-hmm. the one that Australia lost, and the emergence of Kevin Peterson. Yeah, right. Um, and I remember staying up late at night, um, and I've never told him this actually because he was part of that golf crew that we yes, went into Pilly and obviously definitely. got to play with him at the Stars. Yep. He was the and instigator. I yeah, I didn't. I didn't really want to be a fanboy and and. Um, you know, um, tell him how much I loved him growing up. But in 2005, I was staying up late at night and so un-Australian for me to do, um, to say this, but cheering him <laughs> on. Um, just yes, the way it is un-Australian. Um, you know, just the way that he played and he was, um, you know, no one had played um, Warren or McGrath like mm. this that I could ever remember. Um, and here he was, Cavalier, um, mm. you know, the skunk haircut. I, I loved it. So, um yeah, like I said, it was quite surreal um, playing with him then in, you know, what, that, 15 years later, or well, not quite 15 years later, um, in sharing a dressing room with him at the start. I had to really um, calm down my, my fanboy uh, and playing <laughs> golf and all the rest of it. But I managed it right at the end. I grew. I uh, managed to find the courage to get him to sign a bat for me. So that, that, that's, uh, that's in the prized possessions. It's, it's, cool, uh, to hear, it's cool to hear that. Um, that little story though Ben because often you know I I get to play golf you know with people like yourself and and KP and obviously he he was my partner at the Dunhill Lynx Championships in Scotland uh, which is where I first met him and you know just randomly got drawn with him and it was an amazing week played with Jacques Callis and Mark Boucher and and Warney as well and uh, just an unbelievable week and as a sports nut like I am um, you know that just made my week even better and to play well as well and get through to the Sunday at St Andrews, that was a dream week. But to, to have um, then that connect with KP and then him calling me when he's coming to Brisbane with you guys to say, oh, Matty, can we catch up and have a game? Can I bring a bunch of the boys out? I remember coming out to uh, Andrew Pilly that day, a bit starstruck that, you know, I'm going to play not with KP so much anymore because I played with him, but, you know, Flam and you were there and, and Maxi was there and I think Ben Hilfenhaus was there that day and, and even, you know, some of the support staff, I think one of the physios from... Yeah, the Tommy, Tommy. Tommy was there. Really yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what a legend. And so it's fascinating to listen to you talk about being starstruck along the way as well. And we might just touch on that now as we continue to chat. Who else? Who else was there that throughout your time you've been starstruck by, you know, whether they're cricketers or other sports people over the years that, 
you know you ran into and in playing IPL or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I've probably got I've got two which um, don't shine me in the greatest of light. Um, <laughs> the first one I'll do, which isn't too bad, was the the IPL, which was amazing experience. You know, um, all of a sudden, um, go back to 2013, 14, I think it was. It was Big Bash three. Um, I'd sort of come out of nowhere. I hadn't played any games the year before. Come out, player of the tournament um, for the Big Bash. From that, um, picked up in the IPL. Um, so off I was going to Mumbai, the Mumbai Indians. And, um, you know, the, the coaching staff alone, um, John Wright, New Zealander, they had Robin Singh, they had um, Anil Kumble, um, John T. Rhodes, um, Sachin Tendulkar was the mentor, um, Rohit Sharma was the captain. You know, they had the, all these amazing names. Mike Hussey was in um, the team. So off I stroll over there, and the first game I'll never believe. Um, the first few games were in the UAE, but when, when, halfway through the tournament, we went back to India. And the first game at Mumbai, um, I was playing, and I was walking down. You know, they have this huge set of stairs that we walk down um, onto the ground um, at the stadium in Wenkedi. So I'm about to walk down, and there are people. The whole it's an hour and a half before the grand, um, before the game, and the whole crowd's already packed. I take one step. No, I'll never forget. I step over the rope and the crowd goes absolutely ballistic. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and I look up at the scoreboard or the, the, the big screen and Sachin has actually walked out onto the balcony at the same time. And they're, and they're all cheering for him rather than me. So uh, that, that was a, a little reality check real quick. Um, that they weren't cheering for me. But um, the second one, um, I was fortunate enough, my first year in Tasmania, first year, yes, it was my first year in Tasmania, uh, Ricky Ponting retired from Test Cricket. Right. And again, a little bit similar to KP, you know, growing up watching um, absolutely play like you know absolute gun heard all the stories about what a legend he is and he is a legend um but playing golf all the rest of it he was just exactly you know a scratch golfer um 15,000 test runs you know everything that a, a young player could possibly want is is realistically um you know what ricky is so finally get the opportunity to um play with ricky as it as it would stand, my my spot in the dressing room happened to be where he's right next to his. So I'm sitting next to him. This is awesome. I'm opening the batting. He's um, batting at three. So I'm on. I will never forget first day. I'm opening the batting, kind of hoping um, that my partner gets out. <laughs> I'll get the opportunity to bat with Rick. So my whole my whole motivation for that morning was just don't be the first person out because the next man is is, um, is Ricky Ponting. So get through the opening bowlers, Doug Bollinger and Trent Copeland. Thinking great. Um, Mark Cosgrove nicks off. I think even better. So out strides um, Hunter. And we back together for about, I'd say 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm starting to feel quite comfortable around him. I'm thinking this is great. Um, childhood, childhood dream. Yeah. I think this is, you know, this is, it doesn't get any better than this. Um, New South Wales have a guy on, um, debut Chris Tremaine who's turned out to be a very very good bowler um, but he's bowling his first over in first class cricket to me we haven't really seen much of him yeah. he bowls first three balls you know a low full toss which I hit I can't remember whether I hit four or not 
bit of cut shot straight to point, um, and I'm thinking, oh goodness, this is a uh, this is quite tasty after facing Bollinger and Copeland. <laughs> and um, Rick walks down and says, um, you know, what's what's happening there? Anything that I need to be aware of? And I said, oh, no, mate, this is going to be um, this is nice to face. And no, no word of a lie. The very next ball. Um, Chris Tremaine has swung this ball back beautifully and hit me straight on the shin um, <laughs> LBW after telling Rick that it's going to be beautiful to face. Um, and then I had to sit there, what's worse, well, not worse, but I had to sit there all day and watch him peel off 220. Um, well, you were right. It was no, beautiful it was to right, face yeah. for you, Ricky. Not, not, <laughs> not to me. So after feeling like an absolute goose. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of a couple of instances where, um, yeah, you have to sort of, I guess, yeah, as a, as a young player, when you get to rub shoulders then um, with guys you watched you as you were growing up, it, it was a little bit of a pinch me kind of a moment. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. If we go backtrack now, back a little bit, back yep. to, you know, you're playing uh, under-19 sort of state cricket and then you obviously progress on into the Queensland uh, team. Um, for the first time, at what sort of age we, did you, you make your debut for, for the open side of Queensland? Yeah, great question. I think it was about, it would have been about 21, I think, 22. Okay. Um, so I had a couple of years in grade cricket, sort of um, grinding away at Northern Suburbs, my, my local club in, in Brisbane, um, trying to find my way in, as with everything. Um, you know, there, there's so many, as with all sports, it's, it's so competitive and at the time, or straight after under-19s, Queensland Cricket had sort of chose to go down the path of, of another player, um, Ben Gledhill, who was a very good underage um, wicketkeeper batsman. So I was sort of stuck behind him, who he was then stuck behind um, someone else who was stuck behind Chris Hartley. You know, there, there's yeah. only one wicketkeeper in every team. So um, there's a long list of them at that stage. So I was sort of playing cricket with North, um, doing some study. Um, I went over to Ireland, played in the off-season, met my future, what would then become my wife. So, um, you know, and then in fact, it was I was very close to packing everything up in Queensland and going and living in Ireland. Um, yeah, right. But decided to give it one last crack here, uh, one more grade season here in Brisbane. And um, as fate would have it, did really well. But unfortunately for Benny Gledhill, he did, wasn't having the best of times. So they sort of swapped us over. Um, I played some second 11 cricket, progressed, did well there, progressed on um, and ended up playing some um, 2020 cricket later that year for, for Queensland. And then So was 2020 cricket the first, the first you'd played in the, in the, in the Queensland side? Was it 2020 yeah. cricket? Yeah, right. It was 2020 cricket. So, um, again, a funny, quite a funny story, which um, a good friend of mine, um, Jared Turner, often tells. Um, we were coming into the Christmas break, and back then it was Queensland 2020 rather than um, the Big Bash as we know it, Brisbane mm-hmm. Heat or anything like that. Um, and I didn't realise that Hearts had actually broken his thumb in the last Shield game leading up to 2020. So, you know, I was out um, with Jared, we're having a few beers, um, carrying on like idiots really like we would, um, when we had nothing to do and I get a phone call um, to say hey mate I'm just letting you know in two days time um, Hearts has broken his finger in two days time you're going to play and I was immediately um, took the well on two things it put some wind in my sails for, for the night but at yes. the end of the day I was thinking goodness me I need to start preparing um, and set my mind into overdrive but again it was one of those moments I'd grown up with um Andrew Simons is a similar sort of yep. era to that. Um, yep. 
and Roy was in that Queensland team, so I got to play with him as well. So um, I've been really fortunate over my time to actually get to, to play with, not just be coached by or rub shoulders with or run into, but actually play with and share the field with some of these amazing guys in, in world cricket. Um, but yeah, so that was my first taste of it, um, 2020 cricket, and then the following year played um, shield cricket and one-day cricket for, for Queensland. Um, and then at the age of 23, I got delisted, um, for the first time. So, um, I sort of went from, I would say, or certainly in my own mind, um, everything as a career was sort of tracking as I thought it would, or as you'd plan it, you know, you'd go from grade cricket onto a rookie contract, you play second 11 cricket, you do, um, well, you play then for Queensland and I'd done not so much in shield cricket. I did quite well in the 2020 stuff to start off with. So was there a, sorry, Ben, was there a directional, you know, at that time, were you seeing a shift away from sort of red ball into white ball um, as far as your skill set, you know, and what, what was suiting you better? Um, It's a great question. It was, I was always certainly more comfortable playing white ball cricket. um, If that makes sense. It was just, mentally a lot easier um on on me personally I, I could i could play my natural way and if i got out um it was okay if that makes yeah, sense sure, Whereas sure. in red ball cricket um it's one thing i've really struggled with my whole career is there's so much perception about how you get out in red ball cricket um mm. you know, that was a bad shot in red ball cricket well in my mind it actually doesn't matter how you got out because you're out you know if, yeah. if you if you nick, if you get an edge through the keeper playing a front foot defence as opposed to a full-blooded yeah. cover drive, you're still out. Yeah. Um, you're still sitting down. So it was something mentally that I've, in all honesty, grappled with for, for 10 or 12 years. Yeah, wow. Well. career never really felt 100% comfortable um, against the red ball, um, which is so weird, I know. Um, but I just have never. But, yeah, at that stage... White ball cricket and 2020 cricket certainly wasn't um, what it is now either. You know, I think the IPL was possibly just emerging. Like I said, Big Bash, um, you know, the year before I debuted, I think Andrew Johns played a game for for New South Wales. So, so 2020 cricket was, was viewed as sort of still the hidden giggle. Yeah. Um, And Big Bash was back when it was state-based run. There was no um, city-based franchises. There was no franchise cricket really around the world like they have now. So still at that stage, it was just about, um, you know, trying to to play test cricket um, for Australia. Yeah, wow. Okay. And and to be honest, it it always really was, um, which is what why the battle against the Red Bull was always such a a big mental hurdle for me because obviously Mm. I couldn't play um, test cricket test match cricket without getting over that yeah um, but yeah so did that um and then did you ever, sorry did you ever go what lengths did you go to with that this is this sounds like one of those periods throughout your career where it, it's not all roses it's it's a struggle um it's a struggle against the red ball versus the you know that the relative sort of comfortableness of the white ball so what lengths did you go to in that you know, when you're still dreaming of the baggy green, what lengths do you go to to try and overcome the red ball situation that you were faced with? Did you speak to sports psychologists? What did you do then? 
Yeah, well, I, I certainly worked. And one thing I could, I'll, I'll always look back of back and be really, really proud of is I, I absolutely worked my backside off. Um, technically, I, I made a lot of technique changes um, over that time, trying to find the right answer. Um, spoke to the sports psych a little bit. One of the things that I really troubled, and, and I spoke to a lot of players um, that I was playing with as well. And one of the battles I really had, to be fair, was um, a lot of the players were right in their advice in terms of um, backing my way to play and playing the way that I wanted to play and backing my natural game. The only problem was during that little period and probably for the next couple of years afterwards, I really wasn't given a extended run or I didn't do well enough um, mm. to get an extended run at it to then back that game plan and that style of play, if that makes sense. So I would come into yeah, the definitely. team for not get any big scores, you know, I might get a 20 or a 30 and then two games later I'd be back out of the team. So I found it really hard and confidence draining um, to back that style of play. And I'd go back to grade cricket um, or second eleven cricket, work my way back in, get some runs, work my way back in. And it was just an endless cycle of... um, No, Stephen Fleming, Fleming, uh, you know, guest guest number two in episode two was, was talking about that as it's a really interesting part of your cricketing career is time and you'll get certain amount of time to perform. But if you don't perform within that time, then out you go. Um, and that's what you were talking about before, I guess, with regards to, you know, now it became a job, less passion and less love of cricket, even though that would still be the, it would still be there for you. But now it's like, okay, well now I've got a time frame on performing and scoring these runs as well. Otherwise I'm not in the team. Yeah, that's right. And and I think I think also you're in a real hurry when you're younger, if that makes sense. You want sure. you want um you want to get there. You want your career and you want everything to progress really really fast. And sometimes it does take time and I think as of what I've learned a lot um and I've probably only learned it realistically in the last 18 months is about trying to and I think it's probably um applicable to all sports is loving what you do, loving your game, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one advice if I had to give myself as a 21, if I could go back now and advise myself, if that makes sense, or give that advice to me, it would be about loving what I do and backing what I do rather than um, trying to emulate what everybody else does. And, and um, so, for instance, you know, I would sit and I'd get runs, let's say, um, be after a 2020 game and I might get 70 or 40 balls yet I would sit and uh, look at the opposition or look at my own team and think, how good of a player is he and how great yeah. he was. And one of the things I never did was really give myself any credit for what I, even if they were small, um, any of my small little achievements along the way, I always think that's not really that good because I need to aim higher and I need to do this and I need to do that, um, which was always, obviously, especially in cricket, uh, one wrong decision or whatever, you're sitting on your backside all day. Um, so sometimes those wins, um, you know, you need to give yourself a little pat on the back every now and again. Yeah, and I think sports, uh, my experience of it is, is confidence is such a massive thing. So if you're doing a good job, you need to be making sure you're giving yourself that pat on the back, as you said, and, and growing in your confidence, which then you take out onto the field next time you bat as well, rather than being, yeah, like you say, looking at others or being, you know, for me, it was being critical of myself and, you know, almost 
beating myself down. Why did I need anyone else to beat me down when I was doing a pretty good job of it myself? So, you know, yeah, and, and mentally that, that was certainly tough. understand that. Um, you know, I often, it was, it was amazing because I'd look at players and they would be doing amazing things and I think, oh, I think I can do that. Um, and which is one of the reasons why I've persisted at, at, at cricket for so long is because I had a, a belief that I could do it. Um, but when push come to shove and when the moment actually came, I wouldn't necessarily allow myself to be free enough to do it. I'd always take the safest option, um, if that makes sense. So, like, there'd be, for instance, there'd be a, a time in a match where, you know, it'd be, let's say it'd be four for 60 in a, in a Red Bull game. And I'd be thinking, geez, I should really counterattack here. I should, I should play some shots and I should back my instincts here because, you know, um, it's not easy, but I can't let the bowler settle. I would actually go the opposite and go, no, no, no. The safe Come thing on. to do here is to knuckle down, grind away, which is actually so far away from what I do well mm. in terms of as a stroke player and the way that I play my best. But I'd be doing it because I'd be thinking that's what people want to see. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, the chances of that succeeding were so small. So well, that's what I mean. Like I'd watch other people play that counter-attacking innings and say, oh, I think I could do that. But at yeah. no stage would I really allow myself to actually have the balls and, to go out. And, and do you think it was a fear of, like, do you think there was a fear there, Ben, of, of failure if you did try and failed and the consequences of that? Or do you think there was, was there even a failure of, a fear, sorry, a fear of maybe even being successful? Yeah, potentially. I think more or more certainly around failure. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's probably, you know, again, one of the biggest hurdles that sportsmen or probably a, a lot of businessmen have to try and face for as sure. well is, is, you know, the fear, the fear of failure because um, for whatever reason, you, you tend to dwell on your, on your mistakes more than your successes, I think. Um, well, I certainly do. So, yeah, the fear of failure was, was right up there. And also perception and what people would think. Um, you know, uh, Queensland cricket culture um, or cricketing culture is a hard work. And, you know, shows some um, Australian cricket culture, I guess, is around built on um, grinding away and playing tough cricket. Um, and I think, you know, if I was to go out and try and, in my mind at that stage, to mm. try and play a bit cavalier, that would almost be a soft option, if that makes sense. Or, yeah, or, not willing or, to get into the option. That's right. And I didn't, I didn't want to be perceived as that um, yeah. because that was a, a pretty quick way to have a career ended. So yeah. I, was, I was stuck for a long time in terms of, and, and back to my original thing, it's why I love Kev so much mm. in the way that he played because um, he almost played as if, as how I wanted to, if that made sense. Um, uh, but and, he had the balls to do it. And I think Kev... Kevin, uh, in his personal life as well, I suppose, is, is not really, you know, he doesn't back down or, you know, he just does what he wants to do, you know, at the end of the day, you know. It, it, yeah. might, it might not please everybody, but it's, you know, if he's got a, an agenda, well, he's going to push that agenda and he's going to go that way and if this is how he wants to play his cricket, well, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be successful. And it takes a real boldness, doesn't it? But I think the oh, encouragement... It's amazing, I think. Yeah. Sorry, I think the encouragement out there for the young kids and that out there is that I think the fear of failure is a really interesting topic and you know, I'd love to chat more about it. Um, we're running out of a bit of time today, but you know, I think the fear of failure 
is is a bit false too, right? You know, so you know, we think that we're letting down people. We, if we fail, that fear of letting down my parents, letting down my families and friends, and you know that I'm going to be disappointing them. Well, we're not really disappointing them if we're out there giving our all. We're disappointing them if we're not behaving or we're carrying on or we're doing you know yeah. things that bring you know you know bring our family into a bad light or whatever. But um, the disappointment is from them is is for us, not in us. You know, yes, so that's right. Yeah, it's a real false. hundred oh, percent. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, you know, you're hundred percent right in a sense that. You know, if you, if you spoke to anyone in my family or friends, mm. they'd be immensely proud. Proud, for sure. Every time, you know, I go out and get a first ball duck or, or do anything, they're immensely proud of everything that, that I've done or, or have managed to achieve. And and to be honest, they, they'd all be proud of me if I didn't. Um, yeah, correct. Um, which is realistic. And they'll support um, you every time. They'll support you every 100%, time. 100%, yeah. yeah. And I think it – but it is – yeah, it's 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 just a it's, a – it's a pressure that you put on yourself, I think. Um, and coming to grips with that, um, you know, the earlier that you can, the better. Mm. Um, some of the some of the best people who have done that, I think, um, they've managed to have things really well leveled away from cricket, so that cricket sure. isn't necessarily the be all and end all for them, if that makes sense. So they're able to play with that freedom and play with um, um, or play the game that they want to play because you know, they've managed to, they've got a, a business degree or they've got a, they've got something sorted um, mm. away from the game, which is another, I think, really good lesson for um, young athletes is, is just sure. to make sure, I mean, it's not for everybody, university is not for everybody, but um, you know, it might mm. be a career path post, um, post your chosen sport because realistically we are all in transition from, one career to the next, whether it is, yeah. I mean, you're probably in one of the greatest sports where, you know, I, I flicked on the telly the other day and saw um, Bernard Langer playing, still playing at the age of 65 <laughs> or whatever he was. So, but apart from golf, um, you know, there's, there's not too many other sports that you get to play most of your life um, competitively or certainly professionally. So, yeah. um, you know, every athlete should be realistically transitioning. And I think that can actually play a part in enabling um, mm. young, young athletes to, to be able to you know, put it all out there and show the courage and, um, and actually aid in performance rather than um, detract from it. I think as you were chatting there, it reminded me of something one of my coaches said, said to me once of a wheel and feeling as though that you know, each spoke in the wheel and when a wheel runs truly on a bike, all the spokes are well well tuned and they're the same length and, um, you know, so when you get a buckle, you, you've got to tighten one of those spokes up or loosen one of those spokes or loosen either side. And I think if we put all of our eggs in the cricket spoke, for example, and that that's your one focus in, in your life, then the other spokes aren't going to, it's not going to run true. That wheel is not going to run yeah. true, whereas... You know, we've heard athletes, you know, you and I, I'm sure we've both heard athletes talk about, you know, when you're happy off off the field or off the course, um, it allows you to perform far better on the course. And I think that's uh, great advice, Ben, to, to everyone listening that, you know, we want to try and make sure that, you know, yes, it might be cricket, it might be soccer, it might be AFL, it might be golf, whatever you're chasing, whatever your dream or even business, um, you know, don't immerse yourself fully into that 
without having other things in in good stead as well on the outside. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it won't detract. Like that. That's the, the fear is. I and, and I I've sure. used it as an excuse. It, it won't detract from performance, and it won't detract from your ability. Um, to continue on that career path and get the best out of yourself. If anything, I think it will actually add to it, add yeah, to your awesome. performance, add to you. So the, the, the common fear is, that, you know, and I was there as a 21-year-old, oh, well, like I don't have time to study because that time that I'm studying, I could be um, in the nets working on it. Realistically, yeah. you're not. You're either, well, for me, I was either playing golf or playing video games or, or seeing friends. <laughs> yeah, um, correct. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're yeah. actually not. Um, yeah. So... Whereas if I had my time again, I wouldn't have put my business degree on hold. I would have um, continued on, even if it was just a small part of it, because that what that would have done is given me a great distraction away from cricket. Um, and so I would have arrived at cricket fresh and thinking, oh, hey, this is okay. I can go out and play these innings um, without fear because the worst thing that's going to happen is, you know, I'll be, I'll be um, a full-time student or I'll be moving on to the rest of my life, which I have to do eventually, whether it's yeah. 21 or 35. It's coming. Or 30. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, so, it's coming. It is coming. Um, yeah, I think, I think certainly, you know, most players or athletes sometimes hide behind that. Um, mm. And it's a bit of fear as well of what's next. For sure. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, so, Ben, you're, let's fast-track you here just on yeah, the interest of time. Let's fast track you into your white ball career now, which is what you do yeah. as a living, um, playing yeah. T20 cricket around the world. Um, obviously, you scored the fastest or the first ever 200 in a domestic one-day match in Australia. Um, yeah. It's been passed now by uh, another, or Darcy Short, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, but, Darcy's um, got me. I had to pass over the baton, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. That was a pretty cool thing. And so then I guess you you progressed your way into into. T20 cricket, what was it like when, you know, you, you touched on earlier when Andrew Johns played in a match where it was kind of a bit hit and, you know, sort of hit and giggle, um, whereas now it's just such an incredibly lucrative business and opportunity for cricketers around the world to be, um, who aren't playing four-day four or five-day red ball cricket um, to yeah. really make a career out of the short form of the game. Um, yeah, it was amazing, to be honest. I think once the IPL started handing out um, those million-dollar contracts um, for short periods of time, that was when all of a sudden people sort of stood up and went, well, hang on a second. This isn't, um, this isn't hit and giggle anymore. There's, mm. there's, you know, there's proper careers to be made out of this. Um, and then, as with everything, um, inevitably, you know, the big bash has propped up. Um, there's tournaments all around the world. Literally, anyone that plays cricket has a has a tournament. Um, I went to Canada, played in Toronto at one stage, um, Pakistan, like I said. Um, so, so disappointing. Back to your question, to to emerge as a 2020 cricketer, disappointing to a certain extent in sure. a sense that Baggy Green is done. Yeah, and um, how was how was that? You know, how was that emotional? To be honest, kind of, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. feeling like know, that like, dream's like, over. Like yeah, like I said earlier, it was it was a constant battle for four day cricket. Um, I enjoyed playing it and enjoyed the success I had in it, but it was always so tough mentally, um, which made the successes so enjoyable, I guess. Um, but long story short, um, you know, my last I played uh, two thousand and sixteen, I think it was, um, led the runs in Sheffield Shield, had quite a good. Um, one day tournament as well. And after that season, they picked a 22 man Australia A squad. Um, 
and I wasn't in it. They didn't include any of the current Australian players. It was just 22 players around the country and I wasn't in it. And as a leading run scorer from the Sheffield Shield, that sort of really hurt. Yeah, um, absolutely. 30, I think, or 29. So I felt like I was coming into a, a bit of a prime. Um, so I, it really took the wind out of my sails. And, then, and were you bitter? Were you bitter then? Oh, you, you know, you had to. Yeah, I didn't understand. I didn't really understand why not. It, you know, for me, I had finally, in my mind, I'd finally cracked this four-day thing. Um, yeah. By leading the runs and shield, and I just felt like I deserved um, the opportunity. The opportunity. Um, mm. You know, in hindsight, it shouldn't have mattered. Um, mm. You know, realistically. I believe to play for Australia, you need to have consistent performances over a certain period of time. And one season in my mind isn't enough, but as a player mm. um, who had battled his way for 10 years or whatever to have some success in that format, I just, I felt at the time I deserved yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So yeah, when good. that didn't come along, it was just a brutal, a brutal punch. Um, and to be honest, it was never the same afterwards. I, I don't, I don't know if I ever recovered. I played five games the following season and, you know, averaged, 20 or something like that. It's 150 and um, it's dropped after that and I've never have never played another red ball game again mm. um, yeah I just never really recovered from not getting and it sounds so shallow now that I think about it, and I'm about to say <laughs> not getting um, the rewards that I thought I deserved I just never quite rebounded from that if that makes sense so all, almost the 2020 career or path was thrust upon me. You know, like I said, it was something that I'd sure. had some success. Um, I'd led the runs Big Bash twice. So I'd already had a little bit of a profile around that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so it's about now um, making sure that, you know, I run more my own programs. I'm self, I have to be self-driven. I don't, I don't train with a squad or anything like that. I run my yeah. own gym, um, hire my own batting coach. Yeah. Um, do all my own stuff um, in preparation for these tournaments. So I'm really fortunate. You know, like I've got some really good, uh, in the last 12 months, had some great success. So I led the runs in the South African tournament. Um, then in Pakistan, um, did really well over there as well. So um, it's, it's unknown at the moment when I'll play next. Mm. Um, but I'm really confident once cricket gets up that I'll have some, you know, really good opportunities to, to keep playing this game that, that I love. And, yeah, um, you know, awesome. I've been really fortunate. You know, the last 12 months, I've actually, like I said, probably finally over, you know, it's taken 13 or 14 years of a career, but finally fell in love with the way that I, uh, I do things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's, and it's funny, isn't it, that you, you're chasing your dream of the red ball and then, you know, now that you're not doing that anymore, you've, you're finally allowed to be free, fully free. And uh, yeah, play, that's the, right. play the cricket you um, want to play, and, and look at the successes now. It's kind of like ah, you know. I yeah. wish I could have. I wish I could have taken that step 100%. way back. And I mean, I look back now, and I think, God, what what was I thinking as a as a young player? But I guess that's. I, I, I guess a lot of people do that. Um, look back, and you think, oh, if I had my time again, I'd do this, this, and that. But um, they're sort of learning. I look at them; those as learning experiences along the way. And I, I think if I wouldn't have had you know, I've been, I, I honestly don't believe there's been a player that's been more sacked, traded, um, <laughs> dropped more in um, Australian cricket history than, than I have. You know, I would, I would say I've been, well, yeah, it'd have to be easily up close to 20 times I've been dropped out of a team um, yeah. and somehow found my way back in. And, and that's certainly one of my proudest um, yeah. achievements is, is my, my resilience there that I, I, battled my way back in and, and I'm still still fighting my still way kicking away. still kicking yeah it's awesome yeah, just, and, just. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I, I think it's awesome as well. And if, if, if that's the one thing our listeners take out of our chat today, then, um, you know, the, the ability to have resilience and, and understand that the knocks come, but, you know, if you've got the fight and the desire, you can get back up off the canvas and, and go again. And, and it's awesome. Mate, I've got another... Yeah, uh, I, um, I'd love to have you back on the show um, maybe in, in season two and we'll chat in a bit more depth about the IPL and, and the experiences there. I, I love... Not a problem any time, Maddie. Your little story of that. And I've got one question to finish with, which is the question that I ask all my guests um, yeah. at the end of their, their uh, episode. Who would you like to be for one day, what sportsman for one day, if you could be that sportsman and live their life for one day, who would it be and why? <laughs> um, great question. I've, I've actually, since this virus has taken hold, I've, I've been watching, I think it's Drive to Success, Drive to Succeed or whatever it is, the, the, F, the, the Formula One series on Netflix. And I, I wouldn't mind um, jumping into Lewis Hamilton's shoes for a day. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, wow. So do you have a... A, a need for speed is that is that uh... <laughs> no reason i don't even like formula one but uh <laughs> you know they get to travel around the world uh, they are uh, you know the... driving amazing cars you know meeting amazing people all the time so yeah i just think that would be a, a cool thing just to dip the toe in the water to, to have a look at i mean yeah that's yeah, cool I mean, you know tiger woods would be pretty cool as well but yeah no i'll go with, uh, i'll go What's... with Lewis Hamilton. What's interesting is Matty McKay in in in, uh, in episode one spoke about being an F one driver, and then Steve, right. Stephen Fleming in 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 episode two was Tiger Woods. So we've kind of got <laughs> got a bit of a theme going. Yeah, if you've listened to that, it's not quite as many bonus points, but um, yeah, no, that's awesome, uh, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Um, no problems, mate. I truly appreciate uh, you giving up a bit of time to come on the show, and um, I certainly wish you and your family all the best as we continue to been a bit of lockdown but um i certainly hope that uh, when we get out of it out the other side that you're ready to rumble again and love watching you play cricket and you know from from a fan watching cricket i love people who take the game on so i love the way you play the game and um it's awesome to watch so i certainly wish you all the best for the back end of the year and i look forward to having you on in in uh, season two and having a game of golf with you when you're up in brizzy absolutely matty i can't wait mate take care stay safe cheers mate A massive thank you to Ben Dunk, giving up his time to share some great stories and great advice throughout the chat. How good would he look in Brisbane heat colours? Just saying, Benny. I'd also like to thank my listeners out there. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play or Spotify so that as each new episode drops, it'll drop right into your lap. Next week we'll feature Australia and Queensland origin rep Ben Iken. Oh yeah, he's also the host of that TV show called NRL 360 and a one-time caddy for me in an Australian Open. As an exciting new concept, I'll be recording Ben's episode with a live stream to Facebook too. So please keep an eye out on my socials, on Matthew Guide on Facebook and Matt Guide Golf on Instagram for all the details of when that will be happening. But until next time, don't forget to put in the hard yards.